Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockham Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kiley. This is Before the Box Score, your post-Tennessee thumping edition. You saw the game. You probably saw the game. You might not have watched the entire thing, but you should be aware by now that Missouri lost to Tennessee. That's right. Yet another swing game that Missouri lost. This one at home. This one by the score of 62-24, so at least it's been interesting. Not always losing in the same heartbreaking manner in the last minute. Uh, now you can just lose it in the first quarter and call it a day. <laughs> BK, how you doing, man? I've been better. I yeah. uh, would have preferred to watch an interesting game, but that one was not particularly interesting. It was over really by the end of the first quarter, but definitely by the end of the first half. And then they just had to, they were required by the NCAA to finish out the second half as well, yeah. which was really just a matter of, hey, Tennessee, how many points would you like to score in this game? <laughs> and the answer was a lot. And we would prefer not to punt either. And we're not going to do that. And we're going to continue scoring a whole bunch of points. So uh, could have gone better, man. But here we are. The wildest part of this. Because I, you know, I I like to approach these things from an advanced statistical standpoint. The wildest part is that most of what happened is not going to count against Missouri because it was all in garbage time because Tennessee was up by way more than you should be in any given second. So there you go. Missouri's advanced profile is not going to tumble too, too far, uh, but it's still not going to be great. Tennessee was up 28 to three at one point. I think it was sometime in the second quarter. They put 21 up in the first in the first quarter. There's just there is nothing that Missouri's defense could do. Uh, you last week in the um, beyond the box score for Boston College, I put out the measure of how many yards did Missouri's defense actually stop uh, Boston College from going, and it was about two hundred something yards, roughly. Uh, as in Boston College started on this yard line, therefore they could go X amount of yards, two yard line, ninety eight yards, twenty five yard line, seventy five yards, etc., and for as much as they were getting gashed, they actually did stop Boston College from going about 200 yards. I think in this game, it's going to come out to one, one yard that they stopped the Tennessee Volunteers from accruing. Uh, if you count field goals as yards added, if you don't, it's going to be, you know, maybe 32 yards, something like that. Point is, is that Tennessee could do whatever they wanted from the jump and then through the entire rest of the game. Even when Missouri was keeping their starters on the field and Tennessee was playing their backups, they still could not. Stop Tennessee from doing literally anything. There's been a lot of talk about this program, this coaching staff, specifically this defensive staff. The offense did not have a good day, but that's not what people are really looking at. People are looking at the defense. Right now, BK is, how do I want to put this, is questioning if Steve Wilkes is going to be fired at the end of the year. Is that a legit conversation to have right now? Um, as we're recording this, this is just after the game we're doing. So it's about three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. So just to give people a heads up on where we're at, Eli Drinkwitz was apparently asked by Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch after the game, if he is considered making a change at defensive coordinator. Eli Drinkwitz's response was, I just stepped off the football field. I haven't considered anything like that. Yikes. That is not a no. Yikes. And I think that when people hear a quote like that, some of them will hear, oh, well, then he, he said, no, 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 no. He did not say no. no. The answer to that question, if you have not considered making a change at defensive coordinator, is no, yes. I have not. And I will not. 
And we believe in Steve Wilkes. We understand that the progress that you want to see is not there yet, but this is a process. It's going to take some time. Stick with us here. And Steve Wilkes is a good coach that will get this back on track. Boom. There's your quote. That is not what Eli Drinkwood said. And yes, he's furious after a game in which his team got absolutely demolished. But that is something worth reading into. It is not just us hot taking, talking about what this defense did and did not do today. This is now a legitimate conversation to have. After Missouri in the first four games of the season posted one of the five worst defenses against the run in all of college football, the worst power five defense against the run, and then against Tennessee gave up more than 450 yards on the ground. This is officially a conversation that is worth having and... I think it's a legitimate question to ask, man. I'm not sure that you can come back from something like this. I mean, <laughs> I, w- I was making my case to you, well, I think in the third quarter, like pros and cons, you know, what, what, what does Steve Wilkes have going for him? What does he not? And as far as I can tell, I mean, legitimately, Ryan Walters left his defensive coordinator position at Missouri for a defensive coordinator position at Illinois, a lateral move at best. Because I am pretty sure he saw what this defense could be without Nick Bolton, without Tyree Gillespie, and without Josh Bledsoe, and said, I'm not a drink hire. I'm going to get fired if I stay here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, knowing that Steve Wilkes came into that position where a young up-and-coming coordinator said, no thanks, I can't tarnish my name with the guys that are going to see the field in 2021. The fact that he stepped in and inherited that squad to me, says, okay, let's give him a little bit of time. And I'll also say that the pass defense has actually been pretty good. We talked about that in last week's show. It's not outstanding, but it's pretty good. The things against Wilkes right now, <clears throat> and really against the entire defensive staff, but particularly Wilkes, because obviously this is his scheme, is that number one, <clears throat> the linebackers are either lining up out of position or finding themselves out of position, basically every play. How does that happen for five weeks? I don't know. We also know that Steve Wilkes looked at the Tennessee offense that likes to run or can basically only run is decent at passing, but like they like to run. And his answer was instead of trotting out the 425 that we've seen for the first four weeks, is put out a 335, which traditionally has three de- defensive linemen, three linebackers, five defensive backs. But this case, he wants to put a defensive tackle at the inside linebacker position and then blitz the inside linebacker, aka the defensive tackle, every single play. That was his answer. That was his answer to Tennessee's offense that runs a lot. And really, really fast. And so if you are this NFL guy who is known for his scheme and coaching defense, and that's your answer to Tennessee, then I don't think this job is going to be for you. I, I, I My question coming into uh, when we found out that Steve Wilkes was hired, and I put this on Twitter, one of them was recruiting, sure. But the big one was, can he teach college kids his NFL defensive scheme, whatever his mind is. Can he teach his defensive scheme to college kids in the limitations that you have in the college game? And right now 
That answer is no. And I'm seriously concerned about his acumen. If this is the answer he had to the, to the Tennessee offense, it just blows my mind. I don't understand anything about the adjustments that they made today. Now I, I will say this first. I'm glad they made adjustments <laughs> because we've seen Missouri in big games before where they go into the game with a game plan, <clears throat> SEC championship oh game against boy. Auburn, Trey Mason. Oh, oh my God. Boy. And then they just never change anything. Yeah. And they just stick with it despite the fact that it is clearly not working. So I appreciate that Missouri started this game in their base four, two, five. It didn't work on the first drive. They made an adjustment to the three, three, five, and then they eventually went back to the four, two, five. I appreciate that Steve Wilkes was willing to make the adjustment, saw that it didn't work, went back to the other thing that also wasn't working and then they they finished the game i get that but the adjustment wasn't actually an adjustment and that's what's so frustrating to me man if you're gonna go to a 335 just do it go for it so let's see what it looks like go with uh petway or chad bailey or whoever a linebacker what they did instead was at first they put Jatorian Hansford at inside linebacker. So you're using a defensive end in that spot. And then they realized, oh boy, we basically just put three defensive ends on the field, none of which are actually good against the run. This is a bad idea. Hey, Makai Wingo, do you think you could play inside linebacker? All right, let's give that a shot. At least now we've got a little bit bigger body in that inside linebacker position when all we're asking them to do is just run two yards into the center and then hopefully plug the middle of the field. Okay, whatever. It didn't work. It was it was an abomination. And what you eventually were doing is you're playing a four two five, but you've moved the defensive tackle two yards backwards. So you're giving the offensive line two yards of free roam into your defensive backfield. That's what you're doing. So what I would have preferred to see them do, Nate, is change the numbers, because we talked about this on our Thursday podcast. What Missouri's problem is in games like this is that it's a math equation for the offense. If you have six guys in the box, we have six guys between the offensive linemen and our running back. The math is in our favor. We believe that we're going to be able to beat you one-on-one -on -one in the gap. That's their belief. Well, if you bring in an extra defender into the box and you bring seven, maybe that pushes them to throwing the football on some of those RPOs. If they don't, well, let's bring in an eighth into the box. And maybe then you end up forcing them to throw because it's all about the math for these offenses. And what's so frustrating to me, Nate, is they never seemed to do that. They did it for one series. There was one series where finally Martez Manuel dropped himself into the box and you saw at least seven. I think it was seven in the box for Missouri's defense. They continued running against it. And on like two to three straight plays, they completely got stopped. And there was nothing that Tennessee could do. And they filled all of the gaps. And it was like, wow, oh, this looks beautiful. And I believe that was a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was a drive that ended in a field goal for mm -hmm. them. They never went back to that again. And I just don't understand. Because, yes, you're going to get beat. And the touchdown that they threw over the top against Caleb Evans, that was a situation where Missouri was blitzing. So they brought more than Tennessee had to offer. And so you had a corner that was one-on-one -on -one against a wide receiver. The receiver made a really strong catch across the middle with a great throw from the quarterback. That's going to happen sometimes when you take these chances. But I would much rather get beat on a play that's like a 50-50 shot than continuously get gashed in the running game the way that Missouri has. And their 3-3-5, 4-2-5 defenses, they never had a chance in this one. So... Steve Wilkes, yeah, he made an adjustment, but the adjustment continued to have six in the box, and that was the problem to begin with. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know what the answer is. It's it's very easy for us to sit here and say, yeah, put eight in the box, make him throw. That's, yes, we can say that. Yes, that can be done. Yes, we've seen it. But if you have a coordinator who is not going to do, <laughs> he's not going to do the things that are actually going to impact the game, right? Like he's going to throw out a weird scheme that actually has nothing to do uh, with fixing the problems that we're looking at. And if he doesn't have the personnel to get out there to make an impact, to make a difference, then then what are we going to do? Just, we're, we're just going to sit here and we're just going to watch this defense hemorrhage points and yards game after game after game and hope that the offense can keep up. And it's, it's frustrating. I mean, we're not going to make any changes now. We're in the season. Even if you fire him now, Okay, well, you still got someone on the staff who has to step up and take over play calling duties. What what difference is that going to make? I I I legitimately don't know. And even if you do fire him, you owe him what the rest of his contract, right? So, okay, <laughs> do we have that money laying around? I don't know. I don't know any of the answers to these questions. But it is very clear that Eli Drinkwitz is very frustrated with his defense, as he should be. Um. It's very clear that the personnel, they don't have it yet. The older guys are Odom recruits. The younger guys aren't very good right now. They could be, but not now. So I I don't know what the answer is. I think it's just we keep rolling through this season. You hope that the scheme gets picked up or guys finally step up and start executing a couple times in a game and hope that your offense can hang. And frankly, that's a very um, it's a very disappointing thing to be saying five weeks into the season. But we Missouri is a one half team. They have a good offense and a liability defense. And those teams have rough years. Think back to the 2015 Missouri squad. That was one defense Mm -hmm. and no offense. Like we knew how every single game was going to go flat out. And it's very helpless to know that. It's very frustrating to know that, and especially when there's nothing that you can do or nothing you can change to make an impact right now, but that that's just where we are. Yeah, I mean, it's the reality of where they are. By the way, the contract is not easy to get out of. Um, it's, it's a two-year deal, so that helps. It's not like you have a six-year contract for an assistant coach, right. and normally you don't have those, but... It's a two-year deal, so it's the rest of this year and then all of 2022, and it's $1.2 million per season. So, so the buyout, and it's guaranteed. It's fully so guaranteed. 2.4. The buyout is is significant yeah. um, for Steve Wilkes. But when you see something like that from Eli Drinkwitz, that kind of a statement, that's that's a big one, man. Um, I, I just, and what I'm referencing, of course, is what he said after the game. I, I don't know how you come back from that, and I don't know that there's going to be a change that's made now Maybe it takes a few weeks. Maybe it's all the way till the end of the season. But this feels like an inevitability at this point, at least to me, that they're going to make some kind of a change at defensive coordinator. And I I tend to be with you. I don't know what that means. Does that mean that Missouri's defense is going to be good the rest of the year? I would say probably not. I mean, the likelihood is Missouri's defense is going to get worse before it gets better. And the reason why I say that is because they have played five of the weakest teams on their schedule. And this is hard to hear, but Texas A&M in two weeks is going to be better than what you've seen thus far. Georgia is going to basically be able to say, this is the number we want to hit today, and then we'll stop going for scores. Yeah. Arkansas is really good with their running game. 
and I don't know how Missouri is going to be able to stop it. And their defense is really good as well. So you look at the schedule that's remaining. Yeah, Missouri should get a win next week against North Texas. They should be able to do whatever they want to against Vanderbilt for the most part. South Carolina, I think they should beat, but that is no gimme by no, any stretch. No. You've got four other games remaining on the schedule where the other team is going to run all over you. If anything that we've seen this year is any indication. So it's going to be rough down the stretch, and that's certainly not going to help the case for Steve Wilkes, but that might be even more reason in a weird way to keep him, because if you're DJ Smith, for example, do you really want to take over this defense right now? I wouldn't. Not with what lies ahead for him. That makes you look even worse. Your resume is not going to be helped by that if you want to be the defensive coordinator moving forward. So I don't know, ma'am. I don't know if this is something that happens now, if it happens six weeks from now, if it happens all the way at the end of the year. But I think it's something that happens eventually. And I hate saying that because I, I do think Steve Wilkes, first of all, is a good football coach. He seemingly is a great man. And I was excited about his hiring for Missouri. It was very much outside of the box. But we said at the time, this is maybe the most important hire that Eli Drinkwitz has made to this mm-hmm. date. Well, he made it. It didn't work. Now he's going to get another opportunity. His next opportunity with his defensive coordinator is going to be similar to when Barry Odom ended up hiring Derek Dooley. You got to get <laughs> yeah, this one right. Yeah. You And I'm not saying it's going to have the same results, but it, it's the same kind of importance. You have to get this hire right. You can't go 0 for 2 on your defensive coordinator hires. No, no. He, uh, when he was at Appalachian State, uh, Eli Drinkwitz hired Ted Roof. As his, de- as his defensive coordinator. Ted Roof is not a good coach. But the good news is that App State was just light years better than everybody else in the Sun Belt. They lost one game, um, but essentially won the conference. And then he came here. Flashed the deuces, left App State, came here. I have no doubt in my mind that if he had multiple years at App State, you know that defense would erode over time. Because, again, Ted Roof is not a good defensive coordinator. I don't know what... Eli looks for in DCs. I don't know if he looks for scheme or, you know, if he looks for how they get along or how he manages. Like, I don't know. I've never asked the guy. Maybe I will. Even if I did, he wouldn't tell me, but I am kind of curious, like, okay, man. So like, what, what is your, what's your game plan for hiring a DC? Like, I'm, I'm curious what he's looking for, because to me at app state and then, you know, with here with Steve Wilkes, he hasn't made the best decisions. Now, technically, he did, I guess, hire Ryan Walters for his staff. He didn't have to keep him. He talked to him. He interviewed him. He kept him along. Okay. But, like, so one of three that I've liked, and, and even then, Walters, you know, with without NFL contributors on his defense, that the defense was bad. So I, I the point is, is that I am concerned about Drinkwitz's ability to hire a good DC. That can all be erased with one hire, and then it's fine. But you're not making that higher now. You can't pick up a DC off the waiver wire <laughs> like this. This is not how it works. And we also <laughs> who knows, you know, what the money situation is as far as buying them out. My, my, here's my thought. If if the contract is good and if the buyout is favorable and it's not working after this year, pull the trigger. Do it. Fire him. I'm OK with that at this point, because you want to make sure that you are getting Someone in here who can, you know, the, the rise the tide, right? Like someone who can get in, work with college kids, make the most of what we have right now, because it seems like five games in that we don't have that. 
But if, if the money situation doesn't work or there is nobody that he really has in his mind who would be willing to come here, then, then keep him, and, and then hope that your offense can, can win shootouts like they didn't do today. That's very <laughs> depressing. Um, but I mean, what, what are we going to do? The defensive line is maxed out. They are playing everybody that they can play. The linebackers, yeah. not maxed out, but they are playing. Stink, <laughs> they- stink, stank, stonk. It's over. Speaking it's of DJ good. Smith, get, get your boys in line, man. You got two that you trust. Oh, boy. You got two that you trust. What happened to Blaze Aldridge, dude? I don't know, man. I, I, I want to be very clear up front. I, I think Blaze seems like a legitimately good kid, and I wish him all the best in his future endeavors, and I hate being this critical of college kids. I hate it. I really do. But when he came to Missouri, there was some stuff on film that I was like, okay, some of this is really good. It's really exciting. He clearly has the numbers to back it up. He has the pedigree to back it up with some of the all-conference stuff. Um, th- this could be a really good pickup for Missouri. There was a lot of other stuff on his film that was like, oh, th- this is a little concerning. He's not getting to the edge against some talent that is not SEC talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how that's going to translate. Well, it's gone poorly, but the thing that is most confusing to me is there are times when it looks like he has his feet just completely stuck in the mud. He, he looks like he's moving in quicksand, and I don't know if he's hurt right now, and I'm not trying to speculate. I'm, I'm legitimately asking. I don't know if he's hurt right now or if this is a case where he put on more bulk in the offseason because he thought he needed to be bigger and stronger to take on SEC offensive linemen. And that sapped some of his speed, but he is not running well right now. He's not getting to the holes when he needs to. And then when he is, he's not able to catch up with the running back. And then there are too many times where he's not able to disengage with offensive linemen. Like it's just been really bad and he's not alone, but he's the one that I feel like I noticed the most often. That's the most damning part to me. He can't, he cannot fight off a block to save his life. And it's, he, he's almost like, Man, this is going to be super disrespectful. And I'm sorry, Blaze, if you listen. We love you, man. But, like, he is a very polite <laughs> run defender. Like, someone gets yeah. in his way. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he doesn't push. He doesn't pull. <laughs> he doesn't try to yank through it. He just kind of, oh, there's someone there. And, again, maybe I'm just cherry picking a couple of really blatantly awful moments there. But, like, it just doesn't seem like he's fighting through the blocks. He, Someone engages him and he's done. He's done. That's true for Tennessee. That's true for Boston College. It was true for Central Michigan. He does not have the ability to get off blocks. And Devin Nicholson is fine. He's a liability in in pass defense, but like we just have nobody in that group. And Chad Bailey and Jamie Petway are, are getting rotated in sometimes, but they're clearly not the answer either. And this, this goes back to Wilkes. Like, we 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 don't have now the defensive lineman is, is one thing. Okay. But you don't have linebackers. You don't have anybody outside of two, maybe you call it two and a half if you trust Jamie Petway at like a series of game. You got two and a half linebackers you trust. You're not putting Allie Green out there. Caleb Evans had to get we had to get three games in before he started really getting significant snaps. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> What is the disconnect between this personnel and this defensive defensive staff? I don't know what it is. And I'm really confused. And it's very upsetting to see such a bad defense getting trotted out there when it was actually decently okay last year. I know the re- rebuilds are always painful. 
and you're going to have losses like this. And because we won three close games last year, you think, okay, well, we're going to get a little bit better this year. And then we lost two close games and then got blown out. And you're like, ah, the sky is falling. And I know like, (laughs) that's not the case. I know that's not the case, but when you're in it, it sucks. We can look back at this three years from now, if the Tigers are good and go, oh yeah, well, that was just growing pains. Or we could look at this three years from now and go, oh, that was the canary in the coal mine. And I don't know what it is. And that's why it's so frustrating. But right now, just in the moment, defense sucks. The offense can't do enough to keep up. And I'm not sure if we're going to get to six wins this year, but this is where you just go back on your principles as far as following a a team and hoping for the best. You just got to assume and hope that program building, this is part of it. These growing pains are part of it and trust in the Drinkwood staff to get it done or find the answer via other means. And if he does that in two or three years, cool. If he doesn't, okay, then we move on. But for right now, I trust the staff. I trust the process. It sucks, but I trust it. Yeah, I still believe in Eli Drinkwitz. My my faith in him has not crumbled at all. It it has not shifted. Um, I, I still believe that he and the majority of this staff, frankly, are the right ones to be leading this program to where it needs to go. Today was just... It was not a good day for Missouri. And I, I looked up some of the numbers in terms of like the superlatives mm. on the last time blank happened. Here's a few of them for you. Uh, <sighs> the last time that Missouri allowed at least 60 points at home was October 8th of 1932 Ooh. during the Great Depression. The last time that Missouri allowed at least 400 yards rushing at home was September 29th of 2001 when Legally Blonde and American Pie 2 were some of the top movies in theaters. And Saturday was the first home game in at least the last 20 years. I don't know how far back this goes, but I know it goes back at least the 20 years in which Missouri failed to force a punt by its opponent. Uh, Tennessee did not punt at, at all on Saturday, and in the last 20 years, that hasn't happened for Missouri in a home game. So... By any objective measure, one of, if not the worst Missouri defensive performance of the last 20 years, in particular at home, uh, that's that's not good. And when you have a performance like that, it is totally fair to have questions as to whether or not the staff that is currently in place defensively is the staff that is going to be there moving forward. I do want to make sure, though, Nate, before we get out of here, Mm -hmm. that we don't completely lose sight of the offensive performance in that one because it wasn't good either um connor basilek was not good in that game tyler Beatty had zero room to run Mm -hmm. because the offensive line could not get any movement up front kiki chisholm was not his usual um efficient self he had a few drops in that one i did like what i saw from boo smith i'd like to see more of him on the field i'm not saying he deserves like 60 percent of the snaps he does one thing well but he does it really well whenever he's running deep mm-hmm. but that offensive performance was not good man and they've got to be much better next week against north texas it's very questionable to see the amount of runs that they were doing when that was that's the strength of tennessee's defense like that defensive line is very 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 good um, especially, you know, in the, in the past couple weeks, we've seen the pass to win. We've seen them, you know, dink and dunk their way down the field. Now there's a good chance 
I know this is going to be shocking that Tennessee knew that they could put things in the box to make him run or keep things out of the box to get him to run and then crash down, you know, you can do hide that. your coverages. Yeah. Not play your hand at the, at the snap <laughs> novel concept. I know, but Missouri was, was running a lot more than I would certainly be comfortable with them doing. And it wasn't working like that's not what the strength of this offensive line is. It hasn't been all season and it certainly wasn't going to be now when you're going up against a blue chip defensive line. This, this is the same thing that happened last year. Same exact thing. So, no, offense was terrible. It was just not, it was not going to be good enough to cover for that defensive performance. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's Boo Smith, because yeah, the dude is just an explosive play in the five snaps he gets per play. Uh, he actually ran in for a touchdown, which was hilarious to me. Um, but nobody, nobody did well. This, this, uh, I know on the rock him, uh, uh, Twitter account and talked about, you know, 2017 Purdue being kind of one of the worst losses of all time. And I, I still stand by that because that was a total, total team loss. This isn't far behind that, but getting punked by a seven and six big 10 team with a bunch of two and three star guys and a coach's first season is quite a bit different than getting destroyed by an sec peer team with a bunch of blue chip recruits on their, on their roster. So it, it, not, neither one of those are good. It's like, pick which turd do you want to eat? Like none of them, but like, they're all bad, but I, I am less embarrassed by this. I like, if you don't have the horses to play in the sec, like this is what happens. Um, so I'm less, I'm less embarrassed by it, but it's, it's concerning no matter what, especially when an offense who has been carrying through carrying this team through the season really just kind of forgets to show up and, and has a, an incredibly rough day. Yeah, I think this one might have been more deflating for me, um, more discouraging because this showed all of the issues that Missouri had previously known about. Like we we knew that Missouri's defense was bad. We knew that the run defense was bad. We knew that it could be crippling. I didn't know it was to this degree against peer programs, um, and I didn't know that it was going to be something that they just had no chance of being able to overcome. And I didn't know that it was something that they were just completely seemingly disinterested in trying to get, make wholesale changes to fix. And that's all what's discouraging about it. Whereas that game against Purdue, it, it was definitely discouraging. I'm not trying to take away. Like you said, this is, this is two of the, the worst losses that you've had in the last five years for Missouri. That loss against Purdue was at the very beginning of that build. And I, I just didn't have the same hope early on in that tenure. I, I didn't believe that that team was going to be particularly good. This one, I thought, had a chance to go seven and five. And now I think kind of best case scenario is five and seven. That's tough to come to that realization this early in the season is, is a frustrating thing. But that's where they're at. It is. Yeah. Well, we've got we got North Texas next week. Um for what it's worth, North Texas has got a pretty decent defense and just a god-awful offense. But what do they do well? They run the ball well. Mm -hmm. Of course they do, because screw us, right? Um, then Texas A&M comes to town, and then you have a bye week. So these next two games really aren't going to tell you much unless you lose North Texas, and then it's going to tell you all you need. Uh, and this season would be pretty much kaput at that point. Um, but we will... Uh, uh, if you if 
I'm not going to say anything. How about that? I'm not going to say anything. We got North Texas next week. We'll figure out what happens after that game is done because I don't want to speak anything into the ether. That's that's too dangerous. Too dangerous. That's that game's going to be telling. They, they they have to win that one and they should win it convincingly because North Texas is not a very good football team right now. But like you said, they do one thing well, and it is the thing that Missouri can't stop. And that's that's a bad formula right yeah. now for for this Tigers defense. Yeah. So just like wins with losses, you got about 24 hours to roll around in the dirt and think about how terrible it was. And then we move on. Uh, same thing for us. We will move on. I Well, I have to watch this game another two times. Yay me. Uh, but I will come to you with a beyond the box score for whatever reason. I'm going to do it and uh, give you some of the advanced stuff that uh, that I can pick out from such a ass beating that we got here. Uh, but then we are going to be looking towards North Texas. Uh, and hopefully we can get a <laughs> get right game at home and uh, and put a whooping on them because I think we're all overdue for a for a safe, solid victory. Uh, BK, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Nope. Time to put that one in the rear view mirror. <laughs> and hopefully, uh, other than the writing that I have to do this week, uh, never think about it ever again. There you go. There you go. Well, that is going to be our show for today. <sighs> Thankfully. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment. You can give us a rate. We love all types of feedback from you guys. And follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rockham flagship at Rockham Nation. And you can listen to BK on the radio, 101 ESPN, St. Louis, from 10 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, I'm Z. Z-O-U.